Hi, welcome to the Conditioner Release Program. My name is Joel Hill and I'll be your sole host for today. I'm usually joined by Jack the Insider, but this episode is a rare exception. This is being recorded after what was going to be the first episode, but we found ourselves talking about a lot of things that require a bit of background knowledge on the topic. So here's an introduction to a few of the more core themes that we'll be exploring over the course of the podcast. I recently asked Jack if he was keen to do a podcast, and here we are. I'm honored to be working with him. He's a real, real talent. Jack has done great things and written some excellent books. His regular column for The Australian offers a unique insight into the political week that picks up on details a lot of the usual pundits miss. He's a goldmine of true crime stories, often with insider knowledge from primary sources, and we plan to use this in future podcast episodes. This also includes the uh, the very well-known Fine Cotton Affair and Stand the Man Conversations with Richard Feidler that I play on a regular basis. They're hilarious. Very much worth checking out. Jack's done amazing work in his book, Unholy Trinity, where he, with Dennis Ryan, lifted the lid on the rampant corruption and institutionalized abuse in the Catholic Church in the 60s and 70s. You could say that Jack the Insider has done a lot more to save the children than any of these assholes in QAnon have. Jack also runs into pretty interesting circles and knows a lot of very interesting people we might be able to have on the show as guests. We've already actually asked a few people to uh, to come on and, and they've said yes. I've been following internet nutters for ages. Uh, I've written a couple of things on incels, mostly been observing the bizarre behaviour of these su- subcultures, mostly on social media and otherwise. And it's going to be great to work with Jack as he brings the integrity of an actual journalist to the show, whereas I will just sort of shamelessly quote a tweet from a Russian bot as a valid source of information. And to be fair, a lot of actual journalists are doing that these days themselves. But anyway, this show is not just about conspiracy nutters, but lunatics in general. Uh, the show will also incorporate episodes on true crime and you know political affairs as we see fit. So, in the not-too-distant future, we are going to vaguely cover conspiracy theorists, including QAnon, Flat Earth anti-vaxxers, and anyone that uses the word truther. Incels, which is a field that I've had a look at quite closely and written about before and look forward to a really deep dive on that. Sovereign citizens and bush lawyers, because they're really, really funny. (laughs) Criminals of many walks of life from Jack's extensive career following them, and we're very lucky to have him in that regard. And the politics and current affairs when things get a little bit spicy in the halls of power and when unorthodox things tend to happen. We're also going to take the piss out of Pete Evans regularly as he's actually really funny if you can get past how loathsome he is. All the above groups have various personalities while they talk about or with over the course of the show. The show is to run indefinitely until we either get bored or eventually one of these people puts a bomb under one of our cars. But please don't because we are only joking. But any tips or hints or any strange stuff you've come across Greatly appreciate it and can be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com as we'd love to dive into something we don't actually already know about. The introduction episode is just here to give you an idea of what the hell you're in for and, and explain on a few things that might not be very obvious. A lot of the stuff in future episodes won't make sense if you're not across a brief on certain topics. So here's the intro to QAnon. Everyone's done a bloody QAnon explainer and mine may not be too different, but I have your ear for now and I'm going to have a crack at it. If you want to know more, you may need to use a search engine like DuckDuckGo as Google is actually censoring results. They're reducing the page ranking of complete bullshit to avoid people losing their fucking minds and thinking that Donald Trump is saving children from tunnels. 
Now, I totally agree with this move from Google, but if you want the good shit, go off-grid and check out DuckDuckGo. That's where the unfiltered slop comes into the trough. It's like a whole second internet full of completely red-pilled zombies. And yet, on the red pill thing, they ripped the idea off from the Matrix. Remember the whole blue pill, red pill thing where the red pill woke you up to the truth? Yeah, they fucking love it. You might know it from the MRA universe, but instead of women are evil, it's the Jews are eating babies for life serum. They also call themselves digital soldiers, which is both infantile and infuriating. You're not soldiers, you're a bunch of delusional nerds and evangelical boomers. So, Q started on 4chan, then later continued on 8chan, and then 8kun. For those who don't know, 4chan, 8chan, 8kun are image boards where people post genuinely awful content. Mostly images, some text, and shock value goes a long way on there. The one-upmanship can get quite sociopathic. And people who post on there are called anons, and this is the term where QAnon comes from. Also, 4chan is where the anonymous hacker group came from, who also think that QAnon is completely stupid. 8chan is where Burton Tarrant posted his manifesto before murdering 51 people and injuring 40. They loved it and they cheered him on because, for the most part, they're really shit people. That gives you an idea of why 8chan should not exist. 8chan was born from a crackdown on Gamergate nastiness and generally shitty behaviour on 4chan, which was apparently limited on free speech. But sometimes free speech needs to be limited because people are a little bit fucked. 2020 has taught us that, if anything. When people start to idolise mass murderers, you know the place needs to be levelled, and I don't think this is a controversial take. But due to the fact that 8chan had become a cesspool of racism and violence, it had trouble staying online. Former site creator Frederick Brennan has actually been fighting to take it down, while current site owner Jim Watkins renamed it Aikun and fought back quite hard to continue the haven of Nazis and kitty fiddlers that he generates ad revenue from. Jim Watkins is a huge piece of shit porn peddler and all-round scumbag, and turns out probably Q, of course he denies this. That is a little bit too far in for intro piece, so we're going to move back out. It's worth knowing that a lot of memes came from 4chan. Rickrolling came from there. A lot of the actual format of memes themselves are from 4chan. The internet owes them a certain debt of gratitude for some pretty funny shit. They also have an amazing hive brain, which they fairly classlessly call weaponized autism. But these guys can do amazing shit when they set their minds to it, and it's usually in the form of a prank or a joke. There's been a long history of people on 4chan, 8chan, playing some sort of insider or high-level official, and this is what we call a LARP. It's a live-action roleplay. A lot of this stuff is fairly obviously a LARP. I mean, people are playing out fantasies on the internet, and this isn't really new. But it's quite bizarre how this particular LARP took off. Apparently, all the various LARPers on 4chan backed Q Clearance Patriot and amplified their message throughout the board. And this is why the Q Clearance Patriot, or just Q, gained traction within the chans. But it's incredible that it made it past the gate and into the mainstream. I mean, on the chans, posters are anonymous. They generate a trip code when they post. And these trip codes can identify the user and be tied to a password. But most are just randomly generated and used once. This is how Q Clearance Patriot would identify themselves in posting. Otherwise, it would be anyone posting and signing off as Q. There have been issues around the trip code before which compromise the integrity of the account, but like the sheep they are, most anons don't give a fuck about that, and they just kept on lapping up what their mate on the inside had to say. The Q Clearance he claims is apparently bullshit. It's a Department of Energy thing, and from what I've heard is mostly meaningless. But it sounds cool, and to be honest, that's the most important thing about anything that's Q-related, because it's just got to sound cool. Because remember, this is just sexually violent political fanfiction, so the details are secondary to the sound bites. 
So it all starts with a 4chan post. Some random anon says that Hillary Clinton will be arrested between 7.45am, 8.30am EST on Monday, the morning on October 30th, 2017. And then Q says, in a needlessly militaristic fashion, HRC extradition already in motion, effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run, passport approved to be flagged effective 10.30 at 12.01am. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. U.S. M's will conduct the operation while NG activated. Proof check. Locate an NG at member and ask if activated for duty 10.30 across most major cities. So that's where all this bullshit started. The seductive promise of Hillary Clinton being locked up. And why? I don't know. Like the proof? If your National Guard mate is working that day? Yeah. Oh, so convincing. So obviously this carries on from the Trump thing that, you know, he was promising to jail Hillary Clinton on the on the campaign trail, which was much funnier before he won the fucking election. So it's been about three years now and Hillary Clinton has not gone to jail. Uh, so it's not great. Uh, But people don't seem to give a fuck. They think it's in the works and this whole storm is yet to come. We'll explain that later. Q speaks in code. There's tons of acronyms that could mean anything and there's a few that are obvious. It's all this kind of military speak, like when someone uses 24-hour time instead of just saying it's fucking half past four. And this is the kind of military speak that is basically phone sex for right-wing lunatics. Q is right about one thing. He knows his audience well. Q moved to 8chan on December the 1st, 2017 and took residency there until that went to shit. And then after a brief intermission due to finding a web host that was actually prepared to put their name to kitty porn and Nazi shit, came back as 8kun. It's gross. Q posts a lot. They're called drops because, of course, a post just doesn't sound cool enough. And it's mostly bullshit. And there's thousands of them. It's astounding that so many vague predictions haven't actually come true. And generally speaking, if you throw enough shit at a wall, some of it sticks. Especially when these acronyms and hints could mean bloody anything. The messages seem intentionally vague, so people can make of them what they want to hear. The community calls them crumbs, which they bake into bread. Bread being a coherent-ish sentence with a deeper fleshed out meaning. Most people in the Q universe don't interact with actual Q drops, but merely eat the bread that comes from the various Q influencers and grifters through the usual social media channels. Tons of money on Patreon for these guys, and a few of them make money selling miracle mineral solution to vulnerable, scared people with medical conditions. Because yes, miracle mineral solution is basically bleach. So you've been very patient. Now the good stuff. So there's an evil cabal of pedophiles that run the world. They talk about it a lot. They work with the deep state, and the deep state kind of exists. I mean, there are unelected bureaucrats throughout the US government that have a lot of fairly unaccountable control and often also come from old boys' school networks and things like that, various other powerful groups that end up pulling the levers. So there's a kernel of truth there. But in the Q universe, the cabal are Jewish bankers and puppet masters, and the deep state are way more organised than any government department in the history of government departments. You can basically blame them for anything wrong with the world. (laughs) They seem to get up very early in the morning. Ridiculous tropes they come up with often come back to George Soros, the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers. It's also the Hollywood elites, or at least the liberal leaning ones, and a few politicians, mostly Democrats. The whole thing relies on a few defined enemies of the state. They're not hugely fond of Bill Gates either, but since he's not Jewish, a lot of them actually amazingly give him a free pass because, you know, Nazis are going to be Nazis, right? The cabal runs mainstream media in Hollywood, run the governments, run the world. It, It reads like a Dan Brown novel and there's a bunch of cryptic religious sentiment in there and a whole 
shitload of anti-Semitism. Donald Trump was elected in spite of all this, basically due to a slip-up by the deep state to rig the unlosable election in 2016. And now he's in there and they want him out. He's a saviour of the Republic. And this is where good versus evil kicks in. We've had the evil laid out in the cabal that lurks in the shadows, but now we have the good that lives in the light. Yes, idiots call Trump and often themselves a light worker. Like, it's just, fuck, light worker is the most cringy fucking term. Anyway, so we have the good guys and the bad guys. The good guy is Donald Trump and a select few others in his team. And obviously the digital soldiers that are on standby for orders from Q. If you look up General Flynn and QAnon, you'll see he is an actual poster child for these idiots. As for the bad guys, well, that's the cabal and nothing like an umbrella term to just establish that everyone you don't like is unspeakably evil. So why is the cabal so bad? Well, the standout is the trope of adrenochrome. The cabal relies heavily on adrenochrome. Adrenochrome exists, but not as you really know it. It's, you likely heard about it first from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and surprisingly enough, that whole scene was complete horseshit. Adrenochrome does very little to you beside making you slightly irritable and has a tendency to bring out schizophrenic traits. There's some pretty funny trip reports on Arrowwood that outline the disappointment with titles like Killing the Myth and Worst Headache Imaginable. It seems in reality, it's not all it's cracked up to be. But that's reality, and reality sucks. In the fun spy thriller world, it's a youth serum that gets you high. High in the kind of way that makes you high functioning, not have an episode in a bathtub. This stuff is highly addictive, and elites rely on it to, you know, be elite. But the addiction means if their supply is interrupted or tainted in any way, they get sick. If you've seen a celebrity lose weight suddenly, it's an adrenochrome problem. Hillary Clinton gets sick. Oh yeah, her adrenochrome guy must be on holiday. There is always a way to tie their bullshit in somewhere. But the problem with adrenochrome is that it's consumed by drinking the blood of tortured children. So it's a bit of a controversial way to get a fix. This is entirely bullshit, of course, and harks back to the anti-Semitic blood libel trope, which we expand on in episode two. And of course, the better the torture, the better the adrenochrome. So this is usually some kind of satanic ritual because a huge reason why so many Americans Americans are so deeply red-pilled is because they put a bunch of religious shit in there, which they almost love as much as they love shit about guns and eroticizing the military. So, a lot of QAnon stems from tortured children. Save the children, that's a massive Q trope now. And they're completely convinced there's this huge network of elites that traffic children to harvest their blood. Mostly in tunnels, no less. They're called mole children and they are the apex of dark humor. It's actually really fucking silly. And we will almost certainly do an episode of mole children and we do touch on it in episode two. This is all despite the fact that there are huge existing child sex trafficking networks around the world that are not run by Tom Hanks or Democrat politicians, but they don't give a fuck about them because they're boring. They only like the exciting stuff that involves their political enemies being strung up and shot. Cupid idiots keep on calling actual child sex trafficking hotlines, the, the real ones, with hot tips about how the cabal is trafficking children in tunnels and wasting their fucking time. And while all of this is completely insane, there's still that kernel of truth to it. Ambrosia, a Silicon Valley startup, actually does this. I mean, they can't pay for the blood, so it's based on the benevolence of kids to donate, but you could easily make a stretch that they're extracting it against their will. And yeah, they charge people for blood transfusion from teenagers to maintain their youth. It is creepy as shit. It's unproven and basically snake oil. But there are vampires out there, and they're just paranoid rich people that are terrified of death. But of course, 
despite this, reality is too boring for these lunatics. They need the fucking adrenochrome. So now for some essential Q tropes. And the first one is the storm, which is this idea that there will be suddenly mass arrests, the Democrat Party, bunch of unsuspecting deep state actors, and most of Hollywood are seized upon by law enforcement and sent to Guantanamo Bay. And it's essentially everyone they don't like. And it's going to be a very predictable list of people. And it's all in these sealed indictments. And it's for crimes against humanity or some nonsense. The number changes a lot, but apparently it's around 180,000. That is a lot, but as usual, the Q universe is hyperbolic as fuck. So basically, all the lefties and probably the Jews are all going to get two in the back of their head in Guantanamo Bay. Now, I don't want to invoke Godwin's law here, but this should remind you of something that happened a few years ago. The bullets may come from Donald himself, and in true American fashion, it might be televised, because of course it is. This is not from Q as such, but the various nutcases running fan fiction around the death of their political rivals, because this really gets them hard. But depending on who you ask, the process has already started, and most of the celebrities you know and love, with the obvious exception of Keanu Reeves, are already already dead. So that's a bit of a shame. We're going to elaborate on all this in a later episode and reflect on the way Australian Anons have jumped on this idea because I think it's really, really funny. But the storm hasn't happened, of course, and they just wait. Trump gave a strong nod to the idea of the storm on uh, October 5th, 2017, when he said, You guys know what this represents? Tell us, sir. Maybe it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? Could be the calm. The calm before the storm. What storm is the president? You'll find out. That's pretty badass. The storm? I mean, I can see the appeal to that. But realistically, it's fucking gibberish from a deranged old narcissist. But Q jumped on this and said it was in relation to the sealed indictments that will come out and lead to the military tribunals to finally authorize the execution of Hillary Clinton, Tom Hanks, Oprah Winfrey and Barack Obama and a few thousand others. The next one is The Great Awakening. And this is one of the most annoying parts of the Q universe. It's incredibly smug because this is when everyone is finally woke to the reality that all these self-claimed anons have known for ages. The cabal is the root of all evil and now Donald J. Trump has systematically executed them all we live in a utopian society war is over and the cures big farmer of shelved distributed to all who need it sickness is a thing of the past debt is reset and everyone is now magically rich and this is a weird one coming from a group of people who are almost violently against taxing the rich but hey logical cracks should and will be ignored here it seems the most appealing part of this for many is that it gives them the idea that someday they can say I told you so to the countless friends and family members that stopped talking to them once they started talking about mole children I hate the smug satisfaction they get when they talk about the fucking great awakening because it's not going to happen guys so quit while you're maybe ahead So QAnon is often not about actual Q drops. And while this is what formed the group, it's now mostly a side plot to following several well-established conspiracy theories. The umbrella holds usual stuff, you know, chemtrails, 5G, anti-vax sentiment, distrust in fluoride and big pharma in general. But if there's a conspiracy out there, there will be an overlap with Q. And it's really brought them all together. And a lot of these, of course, do have a few kernels of truth in them, to be fair. And I'm not close to the idea that some of these conspiracies are based in truth. But in true QAnon form, they have to take it to fantasy land because even existing conspiracies are too boring for them. They also amplify a lot of other conspiracy theories like Pizzagate, the Clinton body count, which features Seth Rich and Vince Foster and JFK Jr., which ties into the idea that JFK Jr. is still alive and waiting to exact revenge on Hillary for attempting to have him killed. He was meant to be announced as Trump's VP for the 2020 election, which admittedly would have been one of the coolest and weirdest things in political history. Surprise, I'm not dead. QAnon is quite 
quite unique, though, because most conspiracies are highly retrospective, looking back on the events and deciphering the clues. This one is much more participatory, as the events are unfolding in real time, or not unfolding at all. When they don't happen, they always refer to the Q-drop said misinformation is essential. Fuck off. You're just wrong. Like, just accept the fact the entire thing is bullshit. This gives QAnon a unique selling point, and that is giving the participants a sense of purpose. While most conspiracy communities are bonded over the idea of analyzing an alternative take on historical events, this is more like a cause or a crusade, if you will. And the cause is often to save the children from, you know, torture and rape, which on face value is a pretty noble cause to pursue. These are not in a gray area of morality. These are objectively evil things. But this kind of virtue signaling and a sense of being on the right side of history seems to really galvanize the QAnon community. Of course, the issue here is that it's all based on complete bullshit from a twisted fan fiction plot gone horribly wrong. This, of course, leads to real-life incidents by people who think they're in a spy thriller and they can actively influence the course of events. The list of violent and criminal incidents related to the Q universe are quite wild, and if you suspend your humanity for a moment, they're actually quite funny. So, one of these umbrella theories is Pizzagate. Pizzagate didn't start with QAnon, but they bloody love it. When WikiLeaks released the emails from Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, in 2016, there were several emails organising dinners and various food-related meetings. This, of course, was seen by our paranoid friends as a nod to child sex trafficking and abuse. And of course it was. Things like cheese pizza, garlic sauce, walnut sauce were deemed to be terms that described the rape of children and various sexual deviancy. And obviously, this was all involving Democrats and Barack Obama. I mean, of course it was. There is an ambiguity in these emails, but it's not what they say it is. If you read them, they're making a huge stretch. Now, this all comes back to pizza by the fact that they would frequent a place named Comet Ping Pong, which has ping pong tables and sells pizza, and now is under ridiculous pretenses, considered to be a place where an underground basement tortures children for adrenochrome, which is just great. And a guy from North Carolina predictably busted in there to save the kids and found the door he quite recklessly shot open did not, in fact, lead to a basement and that the basement does not exist. He showed remorse and got four years, but he was quoted to have acted on bad intel. We also just had a militia try to bloody kidnap the governor of Michigan, which is bloody crazy. Now, while militias have had no problem being cooked idiots before the rise of QAnon, the chance of these guys being red-pilled is about 100%. Whether they would have done this in a world without a magical internet spy with Q clearance is something we will never really know. But if you have a moment, check out their mugshots because they're really funny. You like that image in your head? Yeah, it's like that's pretty much it. And there'll be more and some funnier than others because if real harm does come from this and not just the foiled redneck attempt to take the Second Amendment a little too literally, it'll be very sad. And if the social media giants actually had a sense of decency and POTUS didn't bait extremist groups into doing dumb shit, this would all be quite avoidable. You probably already know that Pete Evans has lost his mind, and we are going to cover his descent into madness on a weekly basis. But the entire wellness community seems to have been seriously red-pilled. I much prefer veganism and yoga without a side of save the children, but here we are, and this is life now. There's a distinct smugness that comes from this corner of the Q universe, and due to their extensive experience with social media, especially Instagram, hawking shit like multi-level marketing juice gummies, they're very good at influencing rubes. 
And this is where some of the worst virtue signaling comes from. Combining the wellness community with anti-vaxxers, sovereign citizens, and Q-tropes has become a monster I really wish didn't exist. It's smug, it's angry, and it's dangerously misinformed. These guys are the ones I worry about the most because unlike the usual bored boomers looking for something to do on Facebook, these guys really believe their own bullshit. The second worst are the Nancy Reagan types, you know, the puritanical ones that live for moral panic. The ones that will in the same breath salivate over the deaths of their political enemies and then scream in horror about hidden dicks in posters. I mean, honestly, there's a dick in anything these days. Like, everything is a cock to these people. It's a bit weird. So, Hollywood is corrupting the kids and the toy manufacturers are grooming them for ritual abuse, but the toys are pretty fucked. I mean, I remember Bratz dolls from years ago that sexualized kids in a doll form and it's legitimately disgusting. But here we are, 20 years later, whinging at the same shit like it's a new thing. The whole virtue signaling orgy surrounding the Netflix film Cuties is a great example of this. And while the film itself is a little bit creepy, it's gone from, ah, maybe that's a little bit too much, to they are trying to turn our kids into sex toys. I mean, as usual, kernel of truth, but mostly hysteria and stupidity in a massive dog pile. I mean, kitty fiddlers are not watching cuties to get off. They're on eight coon getting the real shit. Nothing good can come from enabling conservatives to mainstream the idea that we should live in an Amish society. While pilled communities often repeat these tropes with absolutely zero critical thought, I do hope at some point they realise they're being used as the fun police and not actually saving anything from anything. But we'll have to see how this plays out. So the telltale signs of QAnon post are the hashtag where we go one we go all or WWG one WGA. Anything about saving the children and if they say do your own research, they're pilled. Other tropes are trust the plan and calling the mainstream media the mockingbird media. Calling Trump Q plus is a huge red flag. If you see these things, don't bother engaging. It is over. In the immortal words of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2. If first the parents are dead. Q is a death cult, as Jack would say, and I'm yet to see anyone come out of it with their brains intact. And while there's a lot to be said about saving your loved ones from the cult, I say fuck it. I mean, if they quote any of these hashtags, they're as good as brain dead. Give them a year or two before being alone with them at Christmas. This introduction piece was recorded after the first episode we did together, and due to the lightning speed of the news, a certain part of the first episode hasn't aged well. But it's on the record now. Facebook have finally caved to pressure and deleted a huge amount of Q material. And this is actually a big deal, because this time they're not fucking about. Not only is this going to cripple Q, as most normies and boomers don't use the free speech havens of Gab and Parler, will likely go back to looking at photos of cats, but it also shows clearly Facebook could have done this ages ago and chose not to, which I think is very naughty. I think they're shit scared that Zuck is going to have to front a Senate inquiry for the inevitable violence in the name of Q that comes after the election, and we all know how much he loves turning out to the Senate. This whole thing is simultaneously fascinating and complex and incredibly basic and stupid, but we are going to throw back to Q over the course of the podcast and it's probably the conspiracy universe has the most terminology and references you need to know before diving in if we cover anti-vaxxers it'll be a lot easier to follow flat earth pretty basic but this one's made by nerds for nerds and the way it went mainstream almost seems like a huge accident but weird evangelical trump supporters seem to have taken to it like flies to shit and the grifters that orbit the q planets are not complaining at all well not until their accounts are deleted, at least. I hope some of this made sense to you, and if you feel like you want to know more, do your own research. But otherwise, here's a sob sit movement and incels a little quicker. 
So, what's a sovsit? A sovsit is a sovereign citizen, and these are incredibly annoying people who only get worse in groups. They have an alternate reality take on how the law works, and often who the rightful monarch is. It's quite funny to watch them argue whether, like, Steve or John is the rightful heir to the crown from some ridiculous take on Ancestry.com. They are complete fuck-ups. So, there's sovsits all over the place, and they're considered potentially violent the state, but they have much more basis in their claims over there, even though they're still batshit crazy. Because our constitution really sucks for individual rights. So, logically, they've just decided it's not valid and to be done with it. There's an alternative version you can buy online, which is all part of the grift. But they're the ones that fuck with bunning staff. They're the ones that piss about the mandate for masks and moan about public health orders in Victoria. And remember, these people are petulant children that just want to do what they want without mum and dad or the judiciary and adult language getting in the way. Now, I won't go too far into it because we're going to do a deeper dive later, but essentially they are people that refuse to engage with the law in Australia as they see it as invalid. They're free men on the land and can do whatever the fuck they want. If you've ever studied the social contract, basically they want to tear it up and also get free healthcare and all the other benefits of society because remember, they're, they're annoying children. Australia and the states are corporations and there's a whole bunch of incredibly stupid reasons why they claim this. They fucking love the Magna Carta, especially Article 61 and a few other really pointless cherry-picked laws and conventions they think work for their movement and often they're non-binding international resolutions that sound a lot better on Facebook than in law courts. You'll see shit like I do not consent bandied around by wing nuts because they think that the social contract only applies to your explicit consent. This is obviously not the case, but try telling them that. They're often, despite all this, vexatious little litigants that love to say insane shit in courtrooms. They love self-representing in court and testing their batshit theories out on judges that really do not have time for their nonsense. It's a bit of a mess. But I love them though. They're fucking hilarious, and I'm keen to take the absolute piss out of them in the coming episodes because they are ripe for mockery, and I think their complete lack of a sense of humour makes it even funnier to poke the beehive. If you want an immediate fix of hilarious stuff, check out freemandelusion.com, written up by a guy named Robert Sudi. It's a lot of content, but it's a great place to learn about how our unhinged friends see the world. I'd love to have him as a guest sometime. So, moving on, what's an incel? Well, the incels are a fascinating community of mostly young men who have a little bit of trouble getting laid. And this might sound quite basic on face value, but the rabbit hole actually goes quite deep. While women known as femcels are active on Reddit and other spaces, they're much less feisty and violent than their male counterparts parts and often lament a different tune. Similar, but different more of being too ugly to be loved and less about actually getting laid. But either way, whether it's being too short, socially awkward, on the spectrum, having a conventionally unattractive face, there's about a million reasons why these people tend to feel maligned by society and I often don't blame them. Add to that the sense of justified bullying that people have toward these groups and you get a real mess. I mean, some of these stories that make an incel are incredibly sad. There's broken homes, there's bullying at school. It's just sad. The left loves the idea that they're a bunch of misogynistic whites supremacists because just like Q adherents, they love a boogeyman too. But incel culture is incredibly racially diverse and really breaks down a lot of interesting racial dynamics in Western dating and discusses openly and often in fairly brutal terms, which are mistaken for racial slurs. The incel community is rife with suicide and depression, and this can get incredibly dark. Their philosophy revolves highly around accepting that you're subhuman and either passing time until you die or, of course, ending it early. And this is where sometimes you think the community might not actually be too beneficial for those that join it. I mean, it can be a real echo chamber of hopelessness, but it can also give people who have no connection to the outside world some kind of sense of friendship. This one's going to be left for a deeper dive later, though, because we really don't need to cover this here, but it's going to be coming up a few times in the future. I really feel sorry for these guys. It's, it's very sad. 
And why should you care? I mean, all in all, you probably shouldn't. It seems like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have already started to crack down on these idiots and their technical abilities don't really extend further than mainstream social media. I mean, we never said they were smart, but 2020 has been a fascinating year and Q has been a huge part of what made it really weird. Not weird and wonderful, just weird. And maybe you'll get that feeling that Q followers get, that you know something a lot of other people don't. How cool is that? Tell your friends. I'm sure they're dying to know. Essentially, this has been a huge waste of everyone's time. But if Trump gets re-elected and Civil War II kicks off, you can be the smartest guy in the room before a boogaloo boy shoots you in the mouth. At that point, you'd be really glad that you tuned into the conditional release program. And here are some thank yous to close out the episode. I'd like to give a special mention to Cam Smith, Sexenheimer on Twitter. He doesn't know us from a stick of shit, and we're probably going to steal a lot of his stuff that he finds and use it on here. He's a sobsit whisperer and finds really good content. He has about nine podcasts, but does a great one called Yeah Na Passeran, which apparently means you'll not pass in Spanish. It's worth having a look. And Tom Tanaki has a two-part YouTube video that's very worth watching. Look into Australian Q and his podcast, The Pork and Feed the Birds, is well worth a listen. A big thanks to Sonny Brown from the Sonny Brown Breakdown podcast for generously giving me his old recording gear to get started with. He's a good lad, and if you're into mixed martial arts, check out his podcast. And a quick final shout out to my amazing partner, Liz, who edits my writing and encourages me endlessly. See you guys in episode two with co-host extraordinaire, Jack the Insider.